Coming up, is the term low self-esteem overused? Obsolete? Well, we'll meet an author who says it's a myth. Welcome, everybody, to At Home in Jerusalem, the podcast on Aish.com. I'm Heather Dean, and my guest this week was not only part of an Academy Award-winning team, she's also a life coach and three principles practitioner. Hannah Studley is also a member of the United Hatzalah Psychotrauma and Crisis Unit. Hannah has just published her first novel called The Myth of Low Self-Esteem, and it's available for sale on Amazon, and she's joining me today to discuss discuss low self-esteem, to contact Hannah about mentoring and coaching, to order a copy of her book, or to invite Hannah to speak in your community. Visit hannastudley.com. That's C-H-A-N-A-S-T-U-D-L-E-Y.com. Welcome, Hannah Studley, to At Home in Jerusalem. Thank you for having me. Let's talk about the title of your book. Why did you choose The Myth of Low Self-Esteem? Well, I grew up in England, and when I first moved to California to work in the movie business, I was kind of struck by how many people were talking about their low self-esteem. And that came as a bit of a surprise to me. I'm you know, very English, and we don't talk about that kind of stuff in public. And the irony of someone describing their low self-esteem in front of a group of people just kind of struck me as kind of amusing. Mm-hmm. And when I started talking to people about this, what I found was that they really, what they had was a resentment that the world wasn't treating them right. And that's where their problem was coming from. Mm -hmm. And like most of us, we think the problem is on the outside. Um, But really the problem was coming from their thinking and that quality of thinking was what was going up and down. Mm -hmm. And I saw that was what was the... The low, it was low thinking. Their self-esteem oh. was actually quite high. Oh, goodness. Okay. Hannah, I'm wondering if you could read for us a few lines from your book that go to the heart of what you call the myth of low self-esteem. Sure. So the main character in my book is called Deborah. Yes, to expect someone to treat me great and that everything should always go my way are thoughts that are coming from an ego out of control, an ego that is up there somewhere sitting on a throne demanding what it wants. That's not low self-esteem. That's out of control, self-obsessed, narcissistic, conceited, what about me, me, me esteem. And when it doesn't go their way, they say it's our fault, cried Deborah, laughing at her own realisation. Another piece about low self-esteem is sometimes when a person might have difficulty accepting positive feedback. And this comes up in your novel a great deal, especially when the main character is earning an excellent reputation in the entertainment industry, yet she admits to the reader that she feels like an imposter among so many high-achieving people in the business. So why does that happen? Why is it hard to accept and agree with compliments for some people? I think what we do is we tell ourselves stories about who we are. And then sometimes those stories aren't based in any truth. Mm -hmm. And then when somebody from the outside says something that doesn't fit with that story, it's very uncomfortable. For example, um, I grew up working with my hands and I turned that into a career and I did, thank God, very well Mm -hmm. using my hands to um, make stuff and costumes and props for the theatre and then eventually movies. So I'd never actually written anything since I was in high school. Okay. So when so now you know people are complimenting me on my writing. It feels a little bit strange because um, I'm not a writer. Mm-hmm. And I suddenly thought, wow, that's a story I've told myself that I'm not a writer. Uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But apparently I am. Right. Right. <laughs> yes, it's getting a lot of good feedback. Your novel. 
Let's talk about low self-esteem and relationships. Now, typically someone with healthy self-esteem is able to form secure and honest relationships and less likely to stay in unhealthy ones. In your work as a counselor and mentor, you've probably worked with people who stay in unhealthy relationships. So what are the primary reasons this might happen, in your opinion? I think it's probably for a similar reason in the, um, the story that's going on in our heads mm -hmm. is that either I'm, this is as good as it's going to get, or nobody else will love me, or you know, if I leave this person, or if this relationship ends, then there might not be another one. Mm -hmm. And that fear that's um, pushing that story makes us sometimes stay in relationships or even jobs, you know, situations that aren't the best for us mm -hmm. because of a story that's going along that is telling us that this is all, all we can ever have. Mm -hmm. When the truth is that when we step back and, and see the bigger picture, there's so many other opportunities. Right. But we often just listen to the, the thought that's telling us to stay when really um, we could hear other stories, if only if our thinking slowed down enough to be able to hear, right. hear the positive ones. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. One of the things that's addressed throughout the book is this idea of um, the stories we tell ourselves. Because your novel is rich in background information, especially messages other people tell, whether it's your main character or people that are seeking help, people that are seeking therapy, is that they base so much of their self-worth, self-esteem, on messages they were told by other people, by outside things. So where does this fit into your novel, the theme of your novel, the theme of recovery in general? When I was younger, I thought that um, the way I felt was as a result of how people treat me, how, how you behave, how the government behaves, even the weather, you know, they didn't call me back, she doesn't pay me enough, you know, that I was always blaming things on the outside for how I felt. Mm -hmm. And if that's true, then I'm going to have a hard time trying to control everybody and control everything so that I can feel better. And I'll be waiting a long time for that mm -hmm. to happen. Mm -hmm. And it's a lot of work. Whereas when I started realizing that how I felt was actually a result of my thinking, how I thought about situations was actually giving me the feelings. Then it took other people off the hook and helped me to see that I could um, be in charge of that, mm -hmm. that mm -hmm. I didn't have to be at the mercy, the victim of other people's behavior, good mm -hmm. or bad, mm -hmm. and that I could um, actually go through some difficult situations and be okay. Mm -hmm. And that was news to me because I thought, mm -hmm. you know, I, the kind, I was the kind of person who needed a medal for taking out the trash, you know, like, <laughs> if, and if something bad has happened, everybody had to know about it because mm -hmm. that's how I related to people about what was going on in my life, the difficult things. And, and then at first I started telling myself, stop making lists of all the things that are wrong. And then I started like, because I, I noticed I did that a lot. This is wrong and that's wrong. And she did, you know, they didn't put, uh, treat me right. And, and then I started seeing that actually th that was not what was actually happening. It was just my thoughts about the situation that were making me feel down or bad or, or sad. Right. I also like that um, there's a pivotal part of the story that was at least pivotal for me when I read it. Um, it's a scene where the main character is on the beach. And you end a chapter where she has a thought of, if it's not really happening, it's not real. So, wow, does that do a number on this whole low self-esteem myth that um, just buying into these thoughts, as you say, that uh, can crowd our brains and really it's not something that's happening in the moment. And we don't need to let it take over our power in the moment. It's really good stuff. Um, now, at some point... Every person does experience setbacks. And you talk about how even just now when, when you experience challenges, you can move forward. Uh, but for people who 
experienced setbacks, mishaps, rejection, um, it would be lovely just to let every disappointment roll off our back and just move on with life. But it really isn't so simple with someone who's convinced they have low self-esteem, someone who's not exactly resilient or better able to weather stress and setbacks. So what do you suggest as a thought or action for someone who's just experienced a setback? I think when we're in a situation like that, our thinking speeds up. And when your thinking mm -hmm. speeds up, it's very hard to have any intuition or wisdom or see any truth about the situation. When I'm upset like that, my thinking gets very fast and I keep repeating over and over again what the person did wrong or what, what should have happened, what could have happened. And what I've, when I'm working with somebody, I often use the analogy of a snow globe. Like if you keep shaking up a snow globe, the glitter is, you know, like flowing around and flowing around and flowing around. And every time I rethink and reanalyze that, that conversation or think about what should happen or could happen, it's like I'm shaking up the snow globe again. Mm -hmm. But when you've set the snow globe down on the table, it naturally settles on its own. And I think we were made in such an amazing way that like our bodies are designed to heal themselves, like fight infection or, or, or heal a cut, our minds are actually designed to do the same thing. Mm -hmm. If we let it alone, it actually will settle on its own. Mm -hmm. There is actually nothing to do because when your thinking slows down, then wisdom and intuition can come in and, and give you the right answers. Oh, that's lovely. Thank you so much, Hannah Studley, for speaking with us today about self-esteem. Thank you for having me. And for more great content about self-esteem, check out H.com's articles, video, and audio content. And thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.